You're listening to Ithaca Now, WICB's weekly news program focused on stories in the Ithaca community. I'm your host, George Christopher, and thanks for joining us. On tonight's show, we're going to hear from WICB news correspondents Liam McDermott and Ayla Shaw as they speak to multiple people at this year's Quartica game. And WICB News Director Beck Legato spoke with representatives from the League of Women Voters here on campus to learn more about the organization and to speak on issues on the local ballot. But first, we have Liam McDermott and Ayla Shaw with Community Beat and a special election night-themed episode of this week's Politics Beat with George Christopher. Tompkins County experienced some heavy voter turnout on Tuesday due in part to some key issues facing residents right here in Tompkins County. Voters from around the county stated that they felt they needed to vote due to the fact that they felt that voting is a civic duty to make sure that women's reproductive rights are being protected, environmental issues pertaining to climate change and gun reform. Voters in the town of Caroline, however, which tends to lean more right than the rest of Tompkins County does, says bail reform here in New York is what pushed them to the polls. The Center for Community Transportation announced on November 9th that it has finalized plans to launch a new bike share program in the community. The new program follows the departure of Ithaca's Line Bike Share program in 2020 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The new bikes will be purchased from Drop Mobility and can be unlocked using the Ithaca Bike Share application available on smartphones. There will be multiple payment options for the dockless e-bikes, including monthly and annual memberships, and reduced rates for eligible users will be available through the Go Ithaca Easy Access program. Ithaca Mayor Laura Lewis said that she believes the bike share program will aid the city's goal to cut carbon emissions and create a more affordable transportation option for residents. Police shut down part of Floral Avenue on Thursday morning to further an investigation into a crash that left one bicyclist in critical condition earlier this week. Police have not yet released any information regarding the investigation. After dozens of city employees attended the Ithaca budget meeting on November 4th to express their grievances about inadequate pay, decreasing benefits, and understaffing, City Attorney Ari Levine spoke out against the protests on Wednesday, November 9th. Levine responded to accusations that he had been too cutthroat during labor contract negotiations with unions with a 14-minute speech. During the speech, Levine called the protest a mob attack and condemned common council members who applauded union members and employees for speaking out. Recently elected Mayor Laura Lewis came out in support of Levine, scolding council members who supported the protest and criticizing employees for some of the more critical comments about the city attorney. Part of North Meadow Street was also shut down on Thursday so that crews could repair a malfunctioning wastewater pipe in the area. There were no interruptions to water surface in the area and the problem seems to have been resolved. For Ayla Shaw, I'm Leah McDermott. This is your weekly politics beat. I'm George Christopher. This Tuesday was election day and the final vote tallies are still coming in. However, we do know a few crucial results in New York State. In the gubernatorial election, Governor Kathy Hochul has been projected to defeat Republican Congressman Lee Zeldin. Hochul will become the first woman elected governor in the state's history and will begin her first full term next year. According to the New York Times, Hochul leads Zeldin 52.9% to 47.1%, making it the closest gubernatorial election in New York in nearly 30 years. Hochul performed well in Tompkins County, taking 72% of the vote. In the race for Senate, incumbent Chuck Schumer has been projected to defeat Republican Joe Pinion. The New York Times reports Schumer's vote share at 56.4% and Pinion's at 43.2%. 
While it was a sound victory for Schumer, it was not as dramatic as some of his past landslide victories. In New York's 19th congressional district, the Times has predicted Republican Mark Molinaro to defeat Democrat Josh Riley in a pickup for congressional Republicans. Molinaro's victory, taking 51.1% of the vote to Riley's 48.9%, was part of an overall successful night for New York Republicans who managed to pick up three other House seats. In the state legislature, Democrats have been projected to retain majorities in both the state assembly and the state senate. However, whether they will be supermajorities, as they were last session, is still unclear. The Times has not yet projected four races in the state senate and five in the state assembly. Ithaca, however, will be represented by Democrats in the state's legislature, with Anna Kellis being returned to the state assembly, running unopposed, and Leah Webb defeating Rich David. Though Webb's race hasn't been called by the Times, David has conceded the race. Locally, preliminary results show incumbent Ithaca Mayor Laura Lewis winning the special mayoral election to fill the final year of Cervante Myrick's unfinished term. Lewis took over 65% of the vote, while progressive candidate Katie Sims took over 25%, and Republican Zachary Wynn took just 8% of the vote. The fourth ward also elected Tiffany Kumar to the Common Council. Kumar, a Democrat, ran unopposed. Reporting for Ithaca Now, I'm George Christopher. You're listening to Ithaca Now. I'm your host, George Christopher. Quartica Jug is a local college football rivalry between Ithaca College and SUNY Cortland, where, at the end of each team's football season, they would face each other in a final football game to determine which team would be able to put their year on the jug. This year, the Quartica Jug took place at Yankee Stadium. WICB news correspondents Ayla Shaw and Liam McDermott interviewed multiple different students to get their opinions on the new location. Yesterday, in front of the watchful eyes of more than 40,000 spectators packed into the Yankee Stadium in New York City, the Ithaca Bombers football team defeated their long-standing SUNY Cortland rivals at the 63rd Cortica Jug game. This year, the Bombers secured their 42nd win against the Cortland Red Dragons and had their first undefeated regular season since 1986. The final score came to 34-17 with Ithaca on top. The Cortica Jug game established their legacy as one of the greatest rivalry games in Division III college football in 1959 when Cortland football team captain Tom Decker and Ithaca captain Dick Carmian painted a $2 jug with both of the team's colors, which serves as a trophy during the annual game, even today. This year's game was the second in Cortica Jug history that was held in neutral territory, with the 2019 game held in MetLife Stadium being the first. Both schools sent students who wanted to attend the game in buses, and many other students, families, and friends made the hours-long drive to show their support. The Bombers established a 7-0 lead against the Red Dragons with 10 minutes and 31 seconds left in the first quarter when junior running back Jake Williams made a 10-yard touchdown following a pass from senior quarterback A.J. Wingfield. Cortland then tied the score later on the corner, but senior kicker Nicholas Bahamond reasserted a 10-7 bomber lead at the end of the quarter with a 37-yard field goal. The Bombers strengthened their lead during the second quarter when senior wide receiver Michael Anderson completed a 12-yard touchdown, setting the score at 17-7 going into halftime. Ithaca started off strong in the third quarter when Bahamond converted a 24-yard field goal, making the score 20-7. Cortland narrowed Ithaca's lead with a one-yard touchdown rush with six minutes and 52 seconds left in the quarter, setting the score to 20-14. to Cortland opened the final quarter of the game with a successful 20-yard field goal, but the Bombers soon reasserted their dominance when Wingfield threw a 40-yard touchdown pass to senior wide receiver Julian Dumaga. 
Jake Williams then cemented the final 34-17 score with his second touchdown of the game. The energy in Yankee Stadium was palpable during the entire game, but especially from Bombers fans. I, alongside WICB News correspondent Liam McDermott, spoke with some fans to see how they felt about the location of the game and gauge excitement about the game. What is the atmosphere like? It's very loud. It's very enthusiastic. High energy. Um, I think it gets a lot louder than Portland. <laughs> what about you guys? What do you guys think of it? Atmosphere. I think it's great. I love that everyone came out to support it. It's quite electric, you know, good good support for both teams, you know, it's been a good game so far, I can't wait for the second half. Uh, everyone's getting riled up and it's a lot of fun cheering for the plays with everyone. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, it, it's good to escape uh, the classrooms and get out here to cheer for our, our Ithaca football team. How do you guys feel about the Cortica being held in Yankee Stadium this year? Love it. It's so cool. I think it's great. Um, I don't personally care. I do have to say that the turnout looks really small because the stadium is so big. And what are your thoughts on Cortland? I don't like Cortland. New Cortland! So far, you know, the fans have been fun. You know, they've been energetic. They've been, you know, they came, in, came at us a little bit. We came back, you know. But the game's been good so far. I'm not worried about it. Cortland? They're, they're, they're dumb. Cortland's a dumb school. Red is a stupid color. And... Go Bombers. Yeah. And how was your experience getting here? Did you guys take the buses from the school? Yes, we did. We took the bus, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how would you rate that experience from like one to 10? Um, eight. I would say a nine. I just listen to music. Yeah, I'll give it a nine. How exciting is it to be here? Very exciting. I haven't Yay! been in New York City that much. I love it. It's great. It's great. <laughs> Oh, I'm hyped up. I am so hyped up for the second half. It's going to be a good one. 17 to 7 right now. I can't, I can't wait. How excited am I? As you can tell by my tone, I am enthralled. I'm pumped. You know, the bus, long wait, but it was well worth it. Um, you know, the Bombers are coming out. They're up right now, fourth quarter. They're going to just take the lead, and I, and I trust them. So, yeah, I'm excited. Ithaca will go on to compete in the first round of the NCAA championship on November 19th, and their opponent will be announced on the 13th. For WICB News, I'm Ayla Shaw. And I'm Leah McDermott. The League of Women Voters is a national organization that encourages and educates the public on why they should vote. It is a nonpartisan organization, though the chapter here in Tompkins County helped advocate for some of the propositions on the ballot this midterm season. WICB News Director Beck Legato spoke with co-president Sally Grubb and secretary of the organization Nancy Skipper to learn more about their organization and how they helped advocate, especially in this past midterm election. The League of Women Voters is a nationwide organization that has chapters all over the country created to encourage women to go out and vote. They were created to keep the public informed on local issues and concerns that voters have a right to know with up-to-date information. They do operate as a nonpartisan organization though, and while they don't take political sides, they will sometimes advocate for certain proposals on the ballot. 
With this past midterm election having come and gone this past Tuesday, the Tompkins County chapter partnered with, quote, Your Voice, Your Vote, which is a coalition of multiple local organizations to encourage voting in Tompkins County region and hold multiple different events to stimulate engagement and to help advocate for one particular proposal on the ballot, which was Clean Water, Clean Air, and Green Jobs Environmental Bond Act of 2022. I spoke with co-president Sally Grubb and the secretary of the Tompkins County League of Women Voters, Nancy Skipper, to learn more about their organization and how they were able to help and pass this New York state proposal that would help make the state a more environmentally friendly place for locals. This is the first part of a two-part conversation I had with Nancy and Sally, so tune in next week as I continue my conversation with these two next Sunday at 7 right here on WICB. How would you guys describe what the League of Women Voters organization is in your own terms? Well, it started 102 years ago, growing out of the suffrage movement. Here in Ithaca, um, our group grew out of, um, also in one, uh, 102 years ago, in 1920. So we were one of the first local leagues to be formed. Um, we grew out of um, um, a women's group that had been meeting um, and then they formed a legal group which deals specifically with suffrage issues and um, the right to vote. And there, with uh, around 100 members in 1920, they formed um, the League of Women Voters of Tompkins County. And we have been active ever since. Uh, initially, the, the primary purpose of the League of Women Voters was to register people to vote and then to get them to vote. And then they started working on particular issues, national issues, stately issues and local issues. And um, we here locally um, have got a pretty good track record, and I think a lot of that is to do with having um, three educational institutions here, Cornell University, of course, uh, Ithaca College, and then TC3 pulls in, a, those three organizations pull in a lot of spouses. And in the early days, of course, A, spouses weren't expected to work, and then when you come to a small community as Ethica was back then, there isn't the work to do, even if you're able to do it. And so there were many women here um, working, uh, I suppose, to run the community for free. Um, the Discovery Trail, all the, the different parts of the Discovery Trail were essentially founded by uh, women. Uh, the Science Center was initiated by two women, Debbie Levin and Ilma Levine, um, starting off working at BJM um, as a science club. Um, the Cayuga Nature Center, uh, PRI, um, you don't think of PRI, but it, uh, a woman started, um, there was a professor who started PRI, um, with his his Cornell's collection of fossils, and then it hived off, and uh, his uh, assistant essentially took it over, and turned it into the embryo of what it is today. So 
all those type of women were out there actively working and they worked strongly for the league and the league uh, the work the league does is very much dependent on the interests of the members we have always been interested in the environment and the quality of life and where we live and so we've always had a very strong natural resources committee uh, we were involved in the in preventing uh, the Millican power station from becoming a nuclear power station. Um, we were involved in preventing fracking taking place in New York State. We've been vo involved in preventing cryptocurrency mi mining uh, with the, the high use of energy through the proof of work. Um, what it's called. And uh, on the desk of the governor at the moment is a legislature to put a two year embargo on um, cryptocurrency mining. And um, we've been involved in uh, local education to school districts. Um, we've been involved in regional planning um the, there's a mental health building in the center of a city and not on the outskirts because of the work we did um etc etc before they invented the the internet and the websites we published all the voter guides for all the elections we published them in the the ethical journal which used to be a real local newspaper and then we also published a guide about Know Your Schools, which covered all the school districts in the county. Um, and now we, uh, we have been very much involved in the creation, development and continuation now under Nancy's guidance of Vote 411. And it started small and grew bigger, but we were one of the first leagues to say, this is a really important, exciting resource. We'll join in and um, it's gone on from strength to strength. Um, and now Vote 411 provides election information about all elections that take place in the county. Um, local ones, state ones, national ones. And uh, it's an enormous amount of work, but boy, is it valuable. And as we continue to register people to vote and to get them out to vote, and then on the other side, we discuss and study different political issues. Um, cryptocurrency mining, uh, climate change are currently on the front burner. Um, there is the possibility that we will locally, as soon as we get enough people interested in helping run a committee um, on digital equity. I mean, I'm sure you know somebody who finds it difficult to get onto broadband when, you know, you go, you go through a gorge and you lose everything. And there are several places in Tompkins County where you don't get decent Wi-Fi at home. You have to go to the local library or to work. Um, during the pandemic, there were some kids who sat outside in their cars in order to pick up Wi-Fi because they didn't have proper digital access. So that's a potential issue that we will start addressing to make digital access to be considered as important as the telephone was at one point. Mm -hmm.
everybody has access to a telephone. Uh, doesn't matter where you live. So, um, and healthcare, um, a single a single payer health care is up on the top burner. Uh, dignity in dying is another one that's up at the, the top of our interest list. And so it goes on. And those those are the things those are the things we do. And uh, we we try and reach out to the community, not only to tell them what we're doing, but to ask them what they want us to do. And we were very much involved in redistricting. And uh, the state leads certainly um, uh, took, was part of a, a, a legal case against um, the Democratic Party over their redistricting. And the assembly district will be redone in for 2024. Uh, because that didn't survive the, the legal challenge. Um, and in all the things we do, when totally nonpartisan, we may take a stand on an issue, but it's because collectively we've reached agreement on that. Um, if Nancy or I have a particular opinion, we can express that opinion as ourselves, but unless it's the league opinion, we don't express it as a member of the league. Vote, vote 411 is, uh, it's an online system. It's a platform, a resource for voters. It's national, um, it's statewide, it's implemented at the county level by different leagues of women voters. And um, the goal is to provide the election information that people need in one place is sort of a one-stop shopping resource. And um, I've often heard that people failed to vote because they really did not know what was going to be on their ballot. Um, or when they went to vote, they really weren't quite sure for whom to vote or if there was a proposition, they weren't quite sure what the different aspects of the issues were. And until vote 411, you really had to look in several different places to get the kind of information that would be helpful for you to register to vote, to know where to vote, when to vote, how to vote. They even provide information on what the process is like. Um, and more recently, the league is providing information on the ballot counting process so people will trust elections more. Um, that was sort of a late, late breaking project. Um, it, Vote 411 provides information about the candidates um, and all the races that they're running in. And a wonderful advantage of Vote 411 is when you, when you open it up, you can just go to your web browser, type Vote 411 open it up and type in your home residence address, the, re the residence you live in where you're going to vote. And what it does is it automatically displays for you only the races that you are eligible to vote in. And this is another thing that I think impedes people from voting is they don't know what election districts they're in. They're going, 
well, wait, Assembly District 125, but wait, there was District 52, but I live in the city of Ithaca Ward, Ward 3, but wait, I'm in the town of Dryden, like what, what's gonna be on my ballot? People just, people don't understand the multiplicity of overlapping election districts that any one person might be in. And vote 411 profiles your address using geographic information system files and, and, and displays the elections you're actually eligible to vote in. Then if you click on links for my elections, you can click on the language if you have different languages um, that you need to be working in. Um, it will list all the races. We put in descriptions of the races. Like for example, somebody might have no clue what a comptroller does or what does is, what is a town clerk do? What's, what's an alder person? So we put in descriptions of what those jobs are. We list how many candidates are running, how many they're gonna be voting for. And we try very hard to get the candidates to fill out a personal response form, which is sent to them by snail mail or email or reminders by phone calls, um, Facebook, however we can get in touch with them. And, and we send them a personal secure login so they can go in and fill out their profile and they can answer specific questions we ask all the candidates. And that enables voters to compare the candidates' answers across the board and also to find out about their um, oh, let me see, candidacy um, and their background, their education, and that kind of thing. The really tricky thing with Vote 411 now is getting the candidates to actually fill out those request forms because candidates are being absolutely bombarded with requests for that kind of information now. And we find that candidates from certain parties are more interested in communicating openly with their constituency. Candidates from other parties are more reticent about it. So that's, that's a work in progress is getting more candidates to actually profile that information. But even without that, the race shows up, the name shows up. Um, so it's very clear to people who they may be voting for. And there'll be a little note saying candidate has not yet responded. Um, we also generate from the data that's put into Vote 411, which I should say we get from the Board of Elections. Um, I work closely with the Board of Elections to get all this information, um, election filings, certified propositions. Uh, I, I have to use freedom of information request forms to get candidate contact information, which is all pretty time consuming. So everything happens in a big crush right before the elections. Um, but once we get all the data into Vote 411 and it goes live and we send out press releases and I'll add you to that list, we also, for the, for the bigger elections that affect a variety of election districts, we will generate a print, a printable version of what we call the voter guide. And Sally works really hard on that. And we recently had a meeting to streamline the process and clarify who's doing what for that. Um, for example, last year, we um, were very concerned about people lacking broadband in rural areas. So we, um, thanks to Sally, print the uh, voter guide with all the races and candidates' name and also flyers like and other materials, thanks to Sally. And um, people go uh, sneaking into her garage and grabbing up folders she's created and driving all over the county delivering materials. Um, Last year, we were delivering things to food pantries, uh, social service agencies. This year, we really focused on rural public libraries. 
Uh, last year, I was dropping off pamphlets at the Dandy Mart out in Caroline, <laughs> at the at post offices, um, bulletin boards, town halls, any place that's legal for us to leave this information so people can see it in print um, if they don't have easy access to um, the internet. One challenge with Vote 411 was that it's um, becoming more widely known thanks to the publicity that Sally's helped organize and um, the person on the league, uh, Megan, who sends out press releases and that kind of thing. One of the things that I was doing uh, on Monday uh, a member of the league uh, woke up with COVID and so she lives at Kendall and she knew she couldn't go and vote because she couldn't get into the Kendall van to go to the polling booth they have. So she was calling up in a panic saying, I can no longer get my um, absentee ballot online, I've got to go down, what am I going to do? So I was able to do something that we actually did in 2022 at the request of the Board of Elections, um, which was to take her an absentee ballot application and her absentee ballot ready printed out. So she filled out the application form, designated me as her, you know, designated carrier of the form and filled out her ballot. She gave both of them to me. I drove them back down to the Board of Elections where they received both of them. They submitted the, ap ap the absentee ballot application and that enabled them to confirm that the ballot was real. And then they added her ballot into the election. And um, I was lucky because both commissioners, the Republican um, Tamara Scott and the Democrat Steve uh, DeWitt. Do yes, Steve DeWitt were both there standing in the, the tiny little entryway. Um, and they both had to agree what I was doing. Um, so I think what we're going to do for next year, next elections is we'll get that approved before we start so that if anything like that happens again, we can do a, 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 a one day pickup like that. Um, during uh, 2020, everybody, when we were all locked down and nobody was allowed to go anywhere and out in the rural areas, some people couldn't go and get an, app, an application. You know, they knew they couldn't vote because they couldn't get an, an absentee ballot application. And so the Board of Elections actually set this up and several of us were driving all over the county. As an organization, we think everybody has the right to vote. And we work very hard on voting rights. And um, we were very supportive of the Addition Act. John R. Lewis. John, yes, John R. Lewis, which has been passed in the state. And we now want it passed nationally. Um, this recodifies a lot of the rights that were set in place in 1965 to make sure all minorities, people of color, and all those people who traditionally and ever since they got the vote have been prevented in some way or another from voting. They've been whittled away year after year since 1965. And now the uh, John Lewis Voting Rights Act is wanting to put them back in place. Locally, we were, we were working with 
um, the Finger Lakes Independent Center on Voter Registration, and they suggested we'd be interested in joining a new coalition that had just been formed, which is now called Your Vote Voice and Your Vote. And it's it's got 20 different community organizations, part of the group, uh, all groups who with one or other community of people are working to empower them as voters and to empower them as participants in our in civic engagement um, so that homeless people can be active in set in coming to say city hall and saying look here you're not doing enough to make it possible for me to find housing um it, it it's interesting that one of our local landlords has been sued by the state attorney for turning away uh voucher eight uh is it uh people who have uh special vouchers for rental housing um well it's reaching out to those communities and saying if you work together you can get things changed if you become a voter and vote you can get things changed and we were really pleased to be in, invited to join this group and uh so you know that that's what we're doing that's what we've been doing in the last few weeks in the past we have been um down at the board of elections as the polling uh figures come out and then contacting the, the press and the New York State League to tell them what the, the results are in all the different um, locations. That's something that we've regularly done. Uh, we didn't do that this year. Um, and um, I think individually, all of us were out encouraging people to vote, offering rides, or doing what I did, delivering an absentee ballot, that sort of thing. Um, I don't think we have any member. Oh, we do have some members who are poll who work at polls. Um, mm -hmm. So you will see, you won't see them sitting there with a League of Women Voters badge on, but they're sitting there at the polls, either as observers or um, actually being a poll worker. And um, they come home very exhausted. I think they work from six to yeah. nine. <laughs> However, the results do impact what we will do in the future, because the different people who are elected, we will reach out to to ask them to to meet with us to hear our concerns and for us to hear what they're doing in their new role. Um, it's interesting in the city, uh, the interim mayor Laura Lewis won, but she had a very strong contender in uh, the Working Families Party. And her concern is very much on um, protection for, for renters, uh, for homeless people, low income housing. And I know that that group of people will be continuing to work to lobby the, the now new mayor on those issues. So those issues will come up to us for our review, input, um, and, and so on. 
So uh, the, the, the results impact us in that way. What are the issues that now come to the fore because we have different representatives? I've been very impressed. I'm still learning about the league and I've been very impressed by this process of um, the league operating at a state and a national level. We're not just a county organization. And um, there's some pretty long meetings where um, there will be uh, proposed legislation, for example, at the state level and the state league reaches out to the county leagues with various viewpoints that are analyzed and they reach concurrences. Um, and that information goes back up to the state level. And then based on what the consensus is of the league, then they can do some pretty um, heavy duty lobbying in Albany mm -hmm. on different issues. And again, it's not because it's a political party, it's because of the issue and what the whole process of creating a concurrence and developing a consensus is on the league. And that's where some of the you know, really hard work has been done, um, not just locally, but at a state level, dealing with environmental issues, healthcare issues, et cetera. And then the same thing goes up to the, the national. To the national. I mean, in, way back in the past, one of the things that we were involved in was educating the public about the formation of the United Nations. Oh. And then we were one of the groups that was invited to the United Nations at its opening ceremony. You know, that, that's how we take things that are of, of interest locally up nationally or national things. We bring them through the state and then back down to us. We bring down and, and disseminate the information locally. Every four years, you, you lose a batch of active community members called students. <laughs> It's just like uh, at the high school, you, you, every year you, you lose a quarter of the high school's population and off they go to college. And um, our ability to, to reach out to these groups it is dependent on the student group that's there. We attempt uh, every year to reach out to Cornell, Ithaca College and TC3 uh, during voter registration week, and in particular for the, the National Voter Registration Day. And um, we, it, it's, some years it's extremely successful. Yeah, that's the student <coughs> guidelines for how students can vote. Um, it, some years it's highly successful, other years it's less successful. Um, and um, Cornell now has a group and they are affected in exactly the same way that we are um, called Cornell Votes. And last year, uh, they were incredibly active um, and they joined us, we joined them, they came down to Apple Harvest, they were doing things all over the place, getting the word out about what they were doing and also about registering voters. This year, their group obviously left town and it's a tiny little group. And so they were, they were concentrating on other things. But one thing they did manage to do was to get um, another polling booth on campus. Yeah. So that except for those people who were in the town of Ithaca up near 
uh, Pleasant Grove Road, everybody uh, goes to a polling booth on campus. And um, Ithaca College, we have a, and I, I don't know why, we have a, it's more difficult getting into Ithaca College. Uh, they do things differently. And uh, if, you're, if you're not a, a graduate of Ithaca College or a professor or employee there, you, you don't know how things go. But um, we do try to have a liaison to those organizations. For WICB News, I'm Beck Legato. That's all for tonight's edition of Ithaca Now. You can listen to all of our stories on WICB.org, and if you'd like to listen to past shows, follow WICB on SoundCloud and subscribe to Ithaca Now to hear this show anywhere, anytime. Also, subscribe to the latest to hear our daily newscast every weekday. Just search WICB News Presents on your favorite podcast app. For more updates throughout the week, follow WICB News on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This show wouldn't happen without the support and assistance from Manager of Television and Radio Operations Jeremy Menard, WICB Station Manager Connor Hibbard, and Programming Director Harrison Kona. Thank you. Ithaca Now is produced by News Director Beck Legato, with assistance from News Managing Director Jordan Broking, News Production Director Inbayani Anbarasan, and our Web Coordinator Evan Clark. All of the music from our show's intro and outro comes from Dr. Dundiff of Louisville, Tennessee. Have any feedback, story ideas, just want to say hi? Feel free to reach out by emailing news at wicb.org. We will be back with a full episode of Ithaca Now at 7 p.m. next Sunday.